Hey, fanboy nation. This is your pal Daffy Duck, and you're watching. You're watching. We're watching. You're watching fanboy. 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 A fanboy, etc. Fanboy nation. God, I assume Tom. The first time I ever heard about this man was on the Howard Stern show, and I thought, wow, he's got way too much time on his hands to be sitting there watching all these old movies trying to find the nude scenes. Uh, Jim, Jim McBride, how are you, sir? Mr. Skin himself. Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having me on our show. I appreciate it. No, and uh, I, I just spoke with, with Paul Fishbein earlier today, and we, we took a little more of the hard-hitting, you know, how can uh, – you know, of uh, discussing what's going on in society and, uh, you know, the, the implications of nudity in film. Uh, the, the movie we're talking about today is Skin, A History of Nudity in Movies. So you're the resident expert on this and makes perfect sense that you're one of the executive producers. How did this project come about after having your own documentary made about you called Being Mr. Skin, 20 Years of Nip Slips, uh, Cheek Peaks, and Fast Forwarding to the Good Parts? Well, it's funny, um, you know... Uh, First of all, I want to say that I really believe over the last few years we're like in the golden age of documentaries because like, you know, it, it, as far as what people talk about when they go to dinner, we're out with friends, like more and more you hear people talking about, uh, oh, I just saw I'll Be Gone in the Dark on HBO or I watched The Last Dance on ESPN and or, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, whatever it is, the, the documentary has become kind of cool and hip and there's so much more interesting than, you know, than when I was a kid watching a documentary, you know? So, right. but the other thing was I realized from running Mr. Skin for 20, almost 21 years that nobody had ever done a history of nudity in the movies documentary. And it was always bugging me, but I wasn't like, I'm not a movie guy. As I like, I never produced a movie or executive produced a movie or anything. So I was, I became friends with Paul Fishbein. He's done ABN and I met him through that. And then he got into producing movies for Showtime and television shows and, and different things. And, uh, uh, we got to talking and I told him, Hey man, we got to do a history of nudity in the movies. I'll, I, I want to be a part of it. So we kind of joined forces and hired Danny Wolf, a great director. And, uh, we, um, I, I had some writers that I really liked that used to work for me, and we put a team together that was, like, really passionate about movies, but also really wanted to do, you know, the definitive history of nudity movies and um, do it in a way that kind of was like, you know, we also were smart enough, you know, with Me Too and everything. We we wanted to be, you know, we didn't want to be tone deaf. We wanted to make sure that it was, it was done in, in good taste. It wasn't exploitive, yet it would be, like, educational and, uh, um, you know, informative, yet also extremely entertaining. And I, I think we managed, believe it or not. And for anyone that's seen it or, or will see it, I hope you agree. You actually did. I, I was scared that it was going to be far more exploitive. I thought it was, I was like, oh, here we go, you know, all this other stuff. I, I had mentioned to Paul as well because there have been a lot of recent scandals. You mentioned Me Too. Professional wrestling has had the Speak Out movement. Um, yeah. you know, we go back 120 years, we'll talk, well, 110 years, talk about Fatty Arbuckle and, and his scenario, the Black Dahlia, all that stuff. Yeah. And so Hollywood had to clean up its image. But this is what I asked Paul, and I'm going to ask you the same thing. If we had let the debauchery, in a sense, you know, not necessarily tone it down, but allow it to be the adult-orientated films that they were 100 years ago, would the debauchery that went behind the scenes gotten worse? and see the implications that we see now, or would it have 
been more resolved, like, okay, we already put it out in the open, so you know what's going on? Yeah, it's hard to say. It's really hard to say, and it's it's funny. I think one of the the big takeaways when people watch this documentary, and keep in mind, our documentary covers the true history of nudity in the movie, so we start with Thomas Edison when he, you know, we talk about the invention of the movie motion picture camera, but, like, within 10 minutes of it, figuring out how to do it, they're videotaping nude women, which, you know, it makes sense, right? So, um, but what I think people will really be surprised is is what was going on in American movies in the in the teens and 20s um you know even in the silent film era uh Clara Bow the movie Wings won an Oscar in 1927 there was nudity in that like who who would have thought uh, um Hedy Lamarr did full nudity in 1932 in a movie called Ecstasy how many people today know that those movies or those scenes exist and um, it was one of the cool things about this documentary is to learn, like, how crazy it was. Now, um, yes, there was a lot of um, scandal and things in Hollywood around that time, which um, was probably partly to blame for the whole Hayes Code to, to, to kick in. But it is pretty amazing when you watch the documentary to imagine that this was going on in our, in our country. Right. And the gentleman that, that came up with the code himself, uh, prior to the Catholic League getting involved and, you know, the whole thing went in there, I assume he lived the lifestyle of, you know, personal censorship that he put in inflicted on the, uh, on the film industry rather than just yeah. being involved in the debauchery behind the scenes while preaching morality. Well, yeah, I'm sure he was, uh, I'd love to have a behind-the-scenes of what was going on in his life while he was telling everyone in the country what they could and couldn't do. So, <laughs> Because that, that's something that I've always noticed is that um, it, with people, it tends to be, you know, do as I say, don't do as I do, so I don't know what's going on over there. But also when something becomes taboo publicly and they go into it privately, it becomes darker for them. So that's why I wonder, like, how much worse it got behind the scenes in comparison in front of the camera when the code came out. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, and uh, it's uh, it's really interesting. A lot of these people that uh, were behind the Hayes Code, um, you know, listen, nobody's perfect. We all know that. But it, it seems like it's always the people that, that are in the, in the forefront of, of – censorship and telling you what you can or can't do are usually the ones that uh, you got to watch out for, you know. It, it does happen in, in that regard. Uh, I was interested with the documentary in that it's a little over two hours long and why it was treated as a two-hour-plus documentary rather than broken up into a docu-series by era. Like, this could have easily uh, been half-hour segments. I'll give you an easy explanation. Sure. It's very difficult to sell. Uh, it's just very difficult, believe it or not, to sell something like that. Um, I'm not saying it can't be done, um, and believe me, we had enough content to do it, but we felt financially it was a smarter play to do the two-hour. Um, maybe uh, we'll do a, uh, a five-hour uh uh, you know, we'll do a special DVD edition, the five and a half hours, which what we should have done. But uh, one way I look at it is, is, is Skin, a History of Nudity in the Movies, our two-hour documentary, is, is really the best of the best of all everything we collected because, like I said, you know, the span we're trying to cover and 
the amount of nude scenes and the important nude scenes over that time, both male and female, lends itself to much longer than two hours. You guys touched upon in the documentary, and especially touching in the like late seventies, early eighties. Um, it was interesting that one of the one of the critics had mentioned that teen boys were allowed to go see the slasher film, and there was gratuitous nudity in there, but they weren't allowed to go see the teen sex comedy. And again, there was nudity in that. Why do you think that it was okay for violence and and murder and everything else that allowed to to send your kids to, but you know the yeah. the funny movie wasn't. I think that still holds true today, and you've seen it. You know, you could have a movie that has many killings and violence, and it gets a PG-13 rating, but, you know, a movie with none of that but has a female figure, full frontal nude, automatically gets an R rating. Why is that? You know, it's just that's just our country, you know, it's just the way it goes. And is, does that just seem inherently American, that violence is far more yeah. acceptable than nudity? 100, 100%. I mean, in Europe, uh, a lot you could see full nudity in commercials. You could go to the beach and people are nude. Um, in the United States, you know, obviously violence is okay, but nudity isn't. It's just, it's, it's a, you know, it's a bad thing, but it's the, it's the way things are here, you know. Now, I have to ask you, because clearly you've done your research. Mr. Skin has been a very successful site for 20-plus years. Uh, even became a pop culture reference in the movie Knocked Up, and people have become quite familiar with with you and your work. Um, and I had joked earlier on, like, this guy has way too much time just fast-forwarding a nude scenes going, you know, in this movie, at the 47-minute, 23-second mark is when, because that's the stuff that I used to hear on Howard Stern. I was like, really? This guy turned that into a business? So I commend you for being being an entrepreneur in that regard. Yeah, um, thanks. I figured out, yeah, I tried to have fun with it, so yeah. I have to ask you then, what was the movie that inspired you to go, okay, these are, you know, these are the movies that I have to fast forward to see XYZ part? And oh, good question. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I can tell you, I got cable television and um, a VHS in the early 80s, and we, you know, we're one of the first families in the Chicago area to get cable TV, and one of the first movies I, I taped was a 1976 drive-in movie called Bobby Joe and the Outlaws starring Linda Carter. And um, what blew my mind when I taped the movie was in the first 33 minutes, Linda Carter, Wonder Woman, uh, had uh, four nude scenes, including a skinny dip scene while doing mushrooms with a big Indian chief. And I said to myself, if, if Linda Carter, Wonder Woman, has been nude, who else has done nudity, and I have been on a quest ever since. So, <laughs> that was one of the early movies for me. So from 1983 to today, it was all because of Wonder Woman that started off the craze for you? 100%. Okay. Linda Carter is right. to blame. <laughs> or to thank, actually, because you've been at this for 20-plus years professionally. Yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't. when I started this in 1999, I literally thought it was going to be a part-time thing that I'd do, and then... I get back to a real job, but here we are almost 21 years later, and it's, uh, and now I have a movie coming out. Who's thunk it? Right. Uh, you know, and you, and you reveal that it's quite a few celebrities, uh, from the heyday. You know, Marilyn Monroe, besides Playboy, there, there's a bit of a nude scene. And Margaret, Jane Mansfield. Uh, you also mentioned Hedy Lamar, who is, who is, uh, naked yeah. in ecstasy, uh, yeah. who is also a brilliant scientist on top of that. Yes. Yes, great. Yeah. Her life story is really amazing. There's a book out on her that's really fascinating, yeah. too, right now. 
Um, it's interesting that she'll be recognized for her acting more so than than uh, her work in in the fields of the sciences. Remember that nude scene, right. in, in, Instead of all her great accomplishments in science. So. <laughs> that's that's society for you, though. Um, yeah. You know, I I had mentioned to Paul. Uh, the shenanigans, you know, I, I told him that it seems that pornography is the most legitimate uh, form of entertainment because it's all out in the open and you see exactly what's going on between two, two consenting adults. And I really feel for the children that have, uh, you know, suffered through these backstage shenanigans is the word that I'll use uh, yeah. for, for all of this. Um, how do we keep this separate away from the kids and keep the kids, you know, not allow the kids to be involved in this and still allow it to be adult orientated entertainment, you know, minus uh, everything else that's going on. Yeah. You know, I guess it's a case by case basis. And, you know, like some families you'll know, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of hypocritical for me to, to say my kids can't watch something that has nudity, whereas uh, other families have a strict, strict code on that. I mean, it's kind of a case-by-case basis, but, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I don't know what I would have done if I had access to porn like, like I'm sure kids do today. You know, all you need is an iPhone and the Internet, and you could see whatever you want to see. I had to work so hard to just find an old Playboy in a dumpster and, and you know, that would last me, you know, two months. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I would have been good living in, in that era or, I mean, in today's times or better off coming from when I came from, I guess. You know, and I the reason why I mentioned this is because I had talked to my, my priest about this, um, you know, the when I, when I said these things. But um, <laughs> what's the – sorry, bear with me one moment. Oh. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I was losing my train of thought. Um, no, no problem. You know, so I don't want people to think, oh, you know, he's like this great big porn advocate. That's not what I'm saying, you know, because that's people's no. business, whatever else. You know, I'm just saying it seems like it's the most up and up of the industries because you see it a- ahead of time. Uh, with everything that's going on now and society, you know, me too, like I said, like we mentioned, and then speak out for professional wrestling that I mentioned as well. Um, how do we continue art as art and protect the actors that willingly choose to be in uh, in a nude scene versus those that have been coerced? Oh, well, I think, you know, we, we get into this in the documentary. I mean, we have, we talk about how now there's intimacy coordinators with uh, um, in, in movies and television, something they didn't have before. And it has a lot to do with the Me Too movement. And I think it's, Part of it has to do with it's really helped empower women. Um, you know, I think the big takeaway is that, you know, if an actress in the 70s, 80s, or 90s was doing a nude scene, a lot of times they... Yeah, all right, we got cut off, so... Yeah, no problem. All right, so let, let's pick back up uh, where we left off. Uh, you had mentioned that, um, you know, there, there's new coordinators for intimacy scenes on TV shows and films, etc. Yeah. Yeah, and I think what we talk about in the documentary is we have these intimacy coordinators now, which is really empowering for women, I think. And um, they make sure that the actress is comfortable in the scene, the scene is done right, the scene is is done in a way that um, uh, it was intended and, and, and the director isn't, isn't trying to add things that shouldn't be in there. And uh, it's a big change from what actresses in the 70s and 80s and 90s had to deal with when they did uh, nude scenes. Uh, some of them... Um, maybe we're forced into some things they didn't want to do. So that's one of the good things about the documentary is to be able to see 
uh, where we've come as far as those are concerned. Right, because Linda Blair had mentioned in Chained Heat that the initial movie she signed up for completely spun out of control and now became a woman in prison film, which is something she didn't want to do. Exactly, and she talks about how John Byrne had treated her, and it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't what was supposed to happen in in one of the scenes, and you know, and actresses really didn't have much they could do back then, and uh, it's good to see one of the great things about where we are today in the Me Too movement and everything else is that women, you know, much more empowered than they were back then. Right, and let's hope the trend continues and it doesn't slip back into uh, some more shadier things. I agree. I yeah. agree. Uh, Jim Skin, A History of Nudity in Films, comes out on, um, excuse me, August 18th. Uh, yeah. So it will be available yeah. on VOD first and then eventually on DVD. Um, yes. Tell me something that ended up on the cutting room floor before I let you go that uh, will end up possibly being a DVD extra that uh, oh. you really wished ended up in the final cut. Well, I mean, gosh, I don't know where to uh, – you know, I don't know so much. I mean, I, I remember all the um, Diane Thorne stuff uh, was, a, you know, this crazy, this um, uh, Nazi exploitation uh, movies from the 70s. Uh, we didn't even get to a lot of horror movie nudity didn't make the cut. And uh, it it was a bummer. But, you know, to squeeze this into two hours, it's uh, uh, you got to make some painful choices. And you know that, R.C. There was actually an entire genre based of Nazi exploitation movies. I I know like there were a couple. I didn't realize there was an entire genre built on its own. Yeah, there was a and uh, Diane Thorne was in a bunch of those movies, and uh, uh, we we were going to have it in, and then that hit the cutting room floor. But uh, they were fascinating movies, and uh, it, it's pr- pretty crazy the stuff that happened in the seventies and eighties. <laughs> Uh, Jim, where can people find you on social media? I know they can clearly go to MrSkin.com and check everything else out. Yeah, my Twitter's at MrSkinCelebs, and uh, you could you could check us out there. But, yeah, just um, uh, MrSkin.com, obviously, is my website. And the movie will be out on VOD on uh, uh, August 18th. And any uh, Apple, Amazon, Fandango, iTunes, wherever you go for movies, we're really excited about it. Perfect. And before I let you go, this is something I've always wondered about regarding Mr. Skin. Have there been any celebrity backlashes to you posting clips from these videos or from the movies, you know, because they wanted to to leave it dead and buried, say, from a movie from the 80s or 70s once they've made it bigger? Um, Yeah, occasionally actresses that maybe have become school teachers or have changed professions or um, whatever – um, you know, we're in a movie in the 80s or 90s, um, they'll reach out to us. And we're always really cool about that. And uh, uh, I get, you know, it doesn't happen often. But every once in a while, I'll say, someone will say, hey, you know, I did this movie in the early 90s, but I'm a school teacher now. Um, you know, would it be okay to take it down? And we always do. It's, it's totally fine. So. Well, that's great to hear that there's uh, still ethics in this world, even when it comes to nudity. Yes, there is, for sure. Mr. Skin, Jim McBride, Skin, A History of Nudity in in Movies. Thank you so much. August 18th on VOD. Go ahead and check it out. Thank you so much, R.C. I appreciate it.